So it's Ed Maher here with you this morning, and I'm joined by Phil Davidson from the Mid-America Carpenters Regional Council. Good morning, Phil. Good morning, Ed. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. I feel like you and me are probably going to be in a little bit of trouble for not being, uh, you know, out taking our respective mothers out to breakfast or something like that this morning, but... You know, we're on a mission. We're here. taking all the mothers out this morning That's right. with this content. We're going to be shouting out to moms throughout the show today mm-hmm. because Mother's Day, you know, it falls once a year, but uh, you know, we've we've always got to show some love to the moms. Absolutely. So, so uh, it, why don't you tell us about your mom? Give your mom a shout out. Uh, happy Mother's Day, Ellen McDermott Davidson, a uh, retired steward for the Chicago Teachers Union, mm-hmm. longtime Very teacher, cool. educator, uh, good, strong unionist. She's the best. Love you, Mom. What was the most important thing your mom ever taught you? Oh, tough question. That is a tough one. Um, tell the truth. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Well done. Yep. Best I can tell, you're either a very truthful man or really, really good at covering it up. So. <laughs> a pretty good liar, too. Well yeah. done. I'll throw a shout-out to my mom, Jane Maher. Uh, she was a nurse for her entire career. Very uh, sage woman. She taught me that... Uh, integrity is all you have in this life and without integrity you don't have anything else so love you mom i know you're listening you always do you're the best so uh yeah um this show is uh going out dedicated to all the moms that includes moms it includes grandmas aunts stepmoms foster moms people who can't be moms people who want to be moms anybody out there who's uh, who's filling that hole and uh you know filling that place in somebody's life Happy Mother's Day to you. And especially to our union moms. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the ones that are out there working, you know, hard every day. Raising kids, working out there in the field. Yeah. Respect. Love you. Yeah. And uh, one of the uh, most famous union moms of the Moms in the Labor Movement, of course, Phil. Mother Jones. That would be Mother Jones. And we've got uh, news on that front. There's going to be a memorial for her uh, downtown, I believe, at Water Tower. Okay. There's going to be a statue that nice. a lot of the building trades, I'm pretty sure your, yours uh, contributed to, as did mine, um, will be one of the very first statues honoring a female legacy uh, in the city. Um, so, very cool. Obviously, Mother Jones is the, the grandmother of agitating, mm-hmm. I think is her uh, nickname, and led coal miners, led textile workers. I mean, you name it, she was there from the get-go. And shout-out to Dave Rathke, uh, friend of the show, who's kind of leads the effort on getting Mother Jones the recognition she deserves, both Chicago, nationally, internationally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we've got um, an exciting show coming up today. We have the diversity coordinator for the Mid-America Council of Regional Carpenters, Mac RC, I totally butchered that, but uh, you know, I'll, I'll get it right. Well, I will get it right one of these days. <laughs> uh, we have the diversity director Jonathan Jones coming on. Um, we'll be talking a little bit about um, AI and technology and robotics, and yep. you know how it's affecting the writers' strike right now. What that means for labor, and kind of some of the other fights that uh, workers have had historically with technology, yeah. robots, and uh, you know now the differences. I think the robots are thinking. Check in on that writer strike. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and then at the end of the show, we'll have a we'll be busting a, uh, a union myth. We'll be bringing back our much beloved and requested union myth. Of There's the a lot segment. out there. There really a are a lot of misinformation. So we'll be touching on that. Um, but uh, stick with us. We're going to be back after this break with Jonathan Jones, the diversity coordinator for the Mid America Carpenters Regional Council. Is Mr. T going to take us out? Uh, can we get Mr. T to take us out? There he is. All right, stay with us, everybody. Seven twenty WGN. 
You're listening to The Worker's Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back to The Worker's Mic on WGN 720. I'm Phil Davidson from the Mid-America Carpenters Regional Council. Along with me is host Ed Maher from the Operating Engineers Local 150. And we have a special guest with us, Ed, um, who I'm very, very proud to bring on. Me too. You're going to love him. I think our audience will really enjoy his uh, perspective as well. Um, on the line here is Jonathan Jones, the new Director of Diversity for the Mid-America Carpenters Regional Council. Welcome, Jonathan. Thank you very much. Hey, good morning, really Jonathan. Thank you so here. much. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Eddie. Yeah, I really appreciate the invite. So, um, you know, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? You're the Diversity Coordinator at the Mid-America Carpenters Regional Council. Um, I grew up in the uh, inner city of Chicago, Inglewood uh, community. Uh, went to um, Chicago Public Schools in my junior year of high school. I was approached by a counselor about opportunities uh, in the trades, mm-hmm. and I thought I'd pursue it, and I did. Um, and uh, was uh, was did a pre-apprenticeship program. I guess back then they had a, a program where they went – and allow high school students to uh, attend a pre-apprenticeship program at Washburn Trace. Yeah, yeah, Washburn uh, for sure. Yeah, for two years, and you receive credits towards graduation. So I took advantage of that program, and then um, you know transitioned from that program into the took the test and transitioned to the uh, uh, Carpenters Union. Oh, very cool! It's so, inter- interesting that you bring up uh, Washburn. I mean, it's one of the one of the trade schools that um, you know created a, an entire generation of construction workers in Chicago. And uh, later on, maybe I'll come back to that because um, we could sure use places like Washburn in Chicago today. Um, but uh, tell us a little bit about what you do on a day to day basis, just uh, trying to trying to attract people to the trades to the carpenters. Yes, uh, there is uh, so many great opportunities uh, in the Carpenters Union. I mean, our scope of work is so broad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, we could uh, really um, uh, advertise to a wide variety of people that are interested in different whatever scope. I mean, we we um, uh, most folks don't understand that even at the uh, airports, the conveyor belts that move the um, luggage—that's all carpenter work. Interesting. Our, yep. So uh, we have underwater welders. Uh, we have uh, cabinet makers. Um, uh, so the scope of work in carpentry is, is so broad, mm-hmm. and the benefits uh, that we have are are wonderful. And most folks go to a four-year college and have to pay back so many thousands of dollars of uh, college debt. Well, we pay you to uh, be a part of our program. Right. It's. I mean, we, we talk about it a lot on this show about how the economics of unions are are such a good deal for workers, and sometimes it's just a matter of getting the word out to people and letting them know that there are opportunities. Um, you know, it sounds like you were fortunate to have a guidance counselor who knew about this, uh, knew about these opportunities. Yeah. Um, you know, but so many don't. It's just this kind of college for all model of education, and there are an awful lot of very, very smart people who are not cut out for college. I went to college with some of those people, and. Uh, you know, so so you were fortunate, um, but the the kids who aren't now, um, you know, how do you how do you reach out to those folks? Like, how do you get to them? Well, I mean, people are not moved by what affects them; they only are moved by what affects them. Mm-hmm. So we have to find a way to show them how being a carpenter is going to have a positive impact and effect on their lives. 
And so part of that is is uh, actually explaining to them the flexibility of construction field, uh, what we offer, um, and also letting them know that we're in need of their talent. Uh, right. That's a, a, a really underused word, you know, when someone reaches out to you and they say, you know, I got this opportunity over here, take it or leave it. Right. It sounds a lot different when you say, hey, you know, you're a very talented person, you offer a lot. Uh, we need you over here uh, with Mid-America Carpenters. Well, yeah, yeah, especially all the all the infrastructure work that's mm-hmm. that's come out at, just at the federal level. I mean, at the state level, we fund uh, capital investments pretty highly. Um, but just between the bipartisan infrastructure plan, the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, and some of these other fed- federal acts, I think we're going to see $4 trillion in, uh, in construction work over the next 10 years. And we're going to need to find more people to do that. Yeah, and and I, I think find... $50 well, billion in Illinois, right? Just yeah. in the capital plan? Yeah, just in the bipartisan plan. So that's yeah. roads, bridges, uh, you know, buildings. But, um, you know, we, this is a great opportunity for work. There's going to be work for everybody for the next 10 years and a lot of opportunities to get in unions and, and people to, to create that foundation for family and, you know, wealth for the next generation. Um, but uh, we're going to have to look in places that we haven't looked before to right. try to attract people and, you know, try to just communicate to everybody regardless of race, gender, or anything else, that there's a, there's a place for you in the building trades. Yeah, right. Jonathan, tell us a yeah. little bit about how, uh, you know, you came up in the trade, you wore the bags, then you became a representative, yes. and now, yes. you know, you're, you're the director of diversity, and a lot of that yes. involves recruiting. And maybe you could talk a little bit about this position, you know, why it was created, and why this is such mm-hmm. an important focus of not just the carpenters, I think I would... I think Ed would agree about for trades everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So being a proud member for 32 years um, and uh, 22 years as a full-time representative, um, you know, we've uh, been able to really hit the ground running. Obviously, uh, been African-American working in the trades, working all over the, the state of Illinois. Um, in my coming up through the apprenticeship, I have a very unique uh, view of, of our field. And and also, I'm an example that if you put your mind to it, you know, you, know, you could you can make it through and 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 really make a, a great career for yourself. Um, it is it is vitally important, also uh, because the other part of it is that um, we are in, in need of diverse talent, and that's what the world is coming to. Um, and I. I sometimes I kind of look at the word diversity. Diversity is a wonderful word, but the the issue has been that um, there has been a lot of talented people, but it, it, the doors haven't been open in the past. But now, as we start recruiting, we understand that talent is is in in every segment of our population, and we want to reach out to that talent and invite them in and say, hey, we, we're in need of your what you bring to the table. Uh, Mid-Americans in particular, our EST Gary Pernar has had the vision, and, and um, he brought and he said, hey, we, we, we need to do something. We need to do outreach and bring uh, more, more folks of color, females, mm-hmm. into the trades because they bring a unique talent uh, to the industry. And um, and so that's that's what I've been set out to do, and I'm really really happy about it. We've been getting some real good traction. No, that's a that's a really good point, and I, I've said for a lot of years with the operating engineers that um, you know we have a, a growing population of female members, and 
um, you know, when I when I talk to them about what they do at work, it's it's interesting that sometimes they just approach, um, you know, difficulties or different decisions at work very differently um, than men do. And I think uh, what you're saying about diversity being a strength is absolutely right. And uh, the more different uh, perspectives that you can have sitting at the same table, uh, the stronger you're going to be. Right. Um, Jonathan, and I know we've talked about this a little bit before, it's not just within the unions and the trades themselves where there's a, a real focus on increasing diversity. It seems to be taking hold in the industry as well. I know several yeah. of our contractors, you know, they're putting out oh, yes. they're, they're putting yeah. out videos on their websites, yeah. on their social media, yeah. elevating uh, diverse members of, uh, you know, their workforce. Yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, I was appointed by our EST to sit on the uh, Association of General Contractors DEI board. Um, and uh, the contractors are definitely understanding the importance of it. Um, the request is coming from many of our end users um, uh, with the federal government, with uh, with the state, with a lot of private vendors. They are understanding that they've been missing out on a huge talent pool of individuals uh, for whatever reason, uh, and they want to uh, make sure that they take advantage of that and uh, really bring in this next generation of workers that's going to take their companies to uh, the next level. Uh, there's been many research, uh, much research has been uh, done that shows that companies that have diverse talent are companies that have a, a, a better cutting edge and their profitability is higher. So, again, people are not moved by what offends them. They only move by what affects them. So companies obviously uh, are looking at their bottom line. And so this right here is there is no negatives to it. The other thing, part of it too, is that the world is um, a very diverse place. In the United States, the beauty of the United States is its diversity. And um, and as you look at the military, it's diverse, it's working well. You look at the city, it's diverse, it's working well. Mm-hmm. You look at different places around um, our society that has embraced this, um, it has taken those, those places to a whole nother level. So, um, Understanding the, the the importance of diversity is mm-hmm. is is, uh, is is paramount. Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more. And you know, as I as I said earlier, um, you know, so many people in you know in generations where maybe their dad wasn't in a union or their uncle wasn't in a union, they don't mm-hmm. know about unions, don't know about how to get in, uh, and maybe kind of subscribe to the old myth that. You have to know somebody to get in, which really today couldn't be less uh, accurate just because every union is looking for the most skilled people. Um, So for those folks that maybe don't know how to get in and want to learn about more, and I'm talking to all the listeners out there who, you know, your ears are perking up maybe at this uh, opportunity. How can people find out more about opportunities within the Carpenters Union? Uh, They can go on our website. Uh, We have information there. They could uh, apply uh, at our school in Elk Grove Village, and we also have a Chicago school. Um, and being Mid America, as representing over fifty-two thousand members, mm-hmm. we have schools throughout the state. Uh, we have a school way down in uh, Belleville. I might be mispronouncing that. You might have to help me out there. You got it, Jonathan. Uh, you nailed it. <laughs> oh, that okay? Yes. Go ahead. Shout out to our Belleville <laughs> listeners. What up, Belleville? Yes, yes, absolutely. So we we are we are outreaching. Uh, anybody that want to come in and be a carpenter, we are we, we welcome you with open arms. We uh, it's a great career, um, good retirement, a mm-hmm. pension, 
and I will say that again, pension yeah. is uh, seems to be a dying breed these days. Thanks for uh, Many organizations, um, great benefits, uh, dental, $2 million health care, 50% of journeyman wages after just nine weeks wow. of training at our pre-apprenticeship school. So a journeyman makes about uh, $53 an hour and some change. Wow. So in nine weeks, you make 50% of that, and in four years, you can make the total amount of that. That's so it is a, a great opportunity, yeah. But the there is there is uh, pros and cons to it. I mean, the pro is it's a great wage. It's a mm-hmm. retirement. The con could be you, you're working outside and outdoors, and that might be a pro for right. a lot of people. You're working in the element. So, yeah, I mean, um, uh, I, 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 who wouldn't want to be a carpenter? Well, I, I always – Amen, brother. Trade. I always want to. I always say, you know, when people look at the person waving a flag out on the highway or sitting on a piece of equipment, they say, "Oh, that's easy." They're not saying that when it's forty below zero or whether when it's a hundred exactly. degrees about right. the, the people laying asphalt. So, right. um, all right. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Now, one last thing, as you know, it's Mother's Day, so uh, I want to give you the opportunity to to shout out to your mom if you want to, if she's listening. Oh, absolutely, Mom uh, Marjorie Jones. Uh, happy Mother's Day to you. I love you. Uh, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be where I am today. So I'm, I am forever indebted. Right on. Well, well said. Nice, nice work, Jonathan. Yeah, thank you again so much. Um, we've got to take a quick break, but we'll be back with more okay. Workers Mike right here on 720 WGN. You're listening to the Workers Mike, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everybody, to the Workers Mike right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ed Maher from the Operating Engineers Local 150, and I'm here with Phil Davidson from Mid-America Carpenters Regional Council. You nailed it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm one out of three so far. <laughs> um, but we're, uh, we're back here on Mother's Day, and uh, we've got a lot to, uh, a lot to get into. Again, uh, shout-out to Ken Edwards, who is out on assignment, as always. I'm uh, not sure where he is. I think he's, I think he's in Texas trying to rope some, uh, rope some cattle. He's training for the rodeo or something like that. I don't know. He always keeps me guessing, man. You know what? Again, he's, he's got a lot of interesting hobbies. He's so. a fisherman. He's a cattle wrangler. I mean, what can't yeah, this guy do? He's a, he, Ken's a rodeo man, <laughs> so uh, it's important to know that. Um, but shout out to you, Ken. So uh, one of the things that's been going on recently, and frankly, I'm surprised that it hasn't been getting more coverage, is this, uh, this uh, writer's strike, the Writers Guild of America on strike. I mean, there are a lot of folks out there that I bet if you uh, if you don't watch late night television, you might not even know that this is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but the strikes. Well, they're started, all on reruns now, so maybe. Right, yeah. Right. Um, but uh, it started on May first, and last week we had uh, an executive board member of the Writers Guild on to tell us a little bit more about uh, some of the issues. You know, the economics, the 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 concerns about automation and things like Chat GPT and other bots. Um, but I was reading, you know, uh, again, uh, this started on May 1st, so it's been going on about two weeks now. Um, and by the second day of the strike, the studios and the creators like Netflix and NBC and, and, and uh, companies of that like had lost about $100 billion in market cap on their stock prices over concerns about the strike and profit, profitability. And, that was um, by day two? By day two, <laughs> wow. the, their, their collective stock prices yeah. were down by $100 billion dollars. Um, and the Writers Guild responded to that, um, saying that if they got every single thing on their wish list for this contract, it would have cost 5% of what was lost on day one of the strike. Um, so, I mean, I think it, it puts it into, um, you know, it puts it into perspective. And, uh, you know, the studios are not showing any kind of any kind of no, motivation. No, I heard to, this is going to be a long war. The last one, I forget how long the last one was in 2008. 
eight months. I'm getting eight months from our uh, from our talented group from Da Vinci Street that does our YouTube show um, or YouTube uh, broadcast. So. Uh, eight months is what the last one went, and it sounds like uh, the writers are digging in for a fight. And to be honest, I think they, uh, you know, I mean, we, for their their survival, right? I mean, you have to. They can't they can't capitulate one inch, or they're done. Well, right. I mean, yeah. the the difference and and technology in Union Land, and you know, uh, the, the the fight against uh, technology or advancement is is nothing new. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether it's uh, you know back in the nineteenth century, the textile workers used to sabotage machinery. Um, you know, to stop companies from replacing workers with textile machines. Uh, you know, over over the the centuries, workers have fought against advancements in technology. Uh, so this is something that we've seen for a long time. But I think the difference here is these. This is technology that's designed to not think and not, is sort of simulate thinking, but come up with ideas. Like take away like the the mental power this isn't changing it's not uh manufacturing something yeah it's, it's not an advancement in technology it's completely overdoing the way that the world has worked for the last thousands of years right and the writers are worried that when they come back for their next contract um the companies would be in a position to just say you know no thanks we don't need you anymore mm-hmm. um and i, I the, talking to them that's a, a real concern um so they're fighting to keep human beings writing shows i mean yeah. i use chat gpt for fun sometimes <laughs> yeah. uh but uh which you know, can now pass both the medical board and the, the uh bar exam, bar exam right? that's, in, me. that's insane every time they put like 90 percent. yeah every time they put out an update the world is excited <laughs> yeah and i'm just like oh god we're one step closer yeah so like yeah i think it could write a script for abbott elementary you know i mean it's sad but true i mean it's it's coming right and that's that's part of what the writers are fighting against that and um, the way that streaming has changed things and uh, taken down some of the royalties that they would earn, um, you know, it's it's making it's making it difficult for uh, writers to be able to make a living. Mm-hmm. And you know, some of the old school writers who wrote on, say, Friends or Seinfeld, they're probably still paying their mortgage with those residual checks that are coming in. I mean, they're still probably doing well off those shows. But writers today, I mean, you could be writing for uh, a super you know popular show like Stranger Things. You could be writing for a show that uh, you know gets quietly released and nobody even watches, and they all are being paid the same. The residuals yeah. on streamers, streaming services are non-existent. So um, you know you're taking away kind of a pipeline of talent yeah. from the entertainment industry that we all count on. I mean, it's summer, so we're going to be outside, some of us. But uh, you know, the winter without television i mean what do we have in life anymore you yeah know, we're just, gonna have to go outside <laughs> we're maybe so dependent on it talk to you the know. neighbors uh, ride a bicycle the horror know. the horror i know i know i'm gonna have to figure out how to do that uh, bicycle thing again did you uh i saw D- uh, david uh, zaslov i think i'm saying it right he's the ceo of uh warner brothers discovery the new you know parents of hbo and, and time warner um for like the first time in a long time, uh, shareholders. Now he it was ratified, but they it was like a little under fifty percent vote against his compensation package. Oh, really? Uh, so they're they're in, starting to get protective about their money. In two thousand and twenty one, he made two hundred and forty million dollars. Yeah. Now some of that was 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 options, but it's all it's all compensation. That's a lot crazy. of Crazy. Yeah, two hundred and forty million. And you know, last year he made like another fifty or something like that, and. You know, usually that's just a rubber stamp every year, executive compensation, but shareholders are like, hey, man, what the hell? And then when you compare that to these writers, you know, and like you said, I think if you get to the level of executive producer, showrunner, you make a pretty comfortable lifestyle as a writer, but that takes years right. of experience and years working in the trenches as a, you know, staff writer, story writer, whatever it is, 
to get to that level. And so basically, at this point, you're creating zero opportunity for a writer, creative writer, to have uh, a career that could, you know, that would be family sustaining. Yeah, and I think it's just going to be non-existent. And part of the problem also is that the um, the role of writers is being changed. Um, they're they're trying to streamline the process for produ- producing shows. So they just take the writers, they put them in a room, and I think that's called a pre-room. What was it? A mini room. Mini room. I'm, I'm learning about this every week, but it's called a mini room that, uh, you know, you go in, you do the writing for the show, and then you're gone, and then they produce the show. So all the writers who used to stick around and be involved in production and learn about the different the pieces lighting, of production yep. and, and turn out to be showrunners and producers themselves, that pipeline is being closed to them. So, yeah. you know, I think it's another, another concern that the writers have. Um, so, again, I mean, I said it last week, but these writers are fighting to keep human beings doing this work. Uh, thinking, you know, if if we start letting once any industry lets technology do something, um, it, you'll, it's very difficult to ever get it back. Yeah. Um, and I mean, when it comes to machinery, robotics, like that, can sometimes be good, sometimes mm-hmm. be you know workable. But when it comes to letting things think for you and write for you and communicate as you know fake human beings, I think that's where they have to draw the line. So if you're out there and you're listening to this, you've got to, you, I mean, support these writers because. They're fighting for their livelihoods. They're fighting to keep human beings producing television. Yeah, because it's, it's coming for us all. It's not just going to be writers. It's going to be. It's going to touch every single industry that in exists today, and and exists industries that don't exist today. That'll 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 be born in uh, the years ahead. But um, I saw an interesting stat. Um, to reach 100 million users, it took Facebook, I think, like 75 months. Um, and, and I saw a list of, of several popular, you know, Netflix, right. some of the most popular uh, websites in the world. To get 100 million users on chat, GPT took two months. I'm not surprised. <laughs> two months. That. I'm not surprised. I, I mean, just imagine where things going. I mean, it's just that information is just going to evolve and become faster and more efficient. I mean, right now, the sky is literally the limit. And yeah. it's it's daunting to think about. Well, just wait till it starts guessing stock prices. <laughs> yeah, like that, that, yeah. You know? um, but uh, if you are in Chicago or you're going to be around Chicago on Wednesday, the Writers Guild of America is having a rally, protest, picket uh, outside of the NBC studios right uh, on the north side of the river downtown. So if you're around at noon on Wednesday, come out. Bring some coffee, bring a pizza, unless it's hot, don't bring coffee. Bring iced coffee. Donuts. Uh, yeah, bring some stuff out and uh, take part and tell people that you support them. It's a really, really important thing that means a lot to them. Um, so, you know, uh, the workers, Mike, will be out there and will be uh, supporting these writers because their fight is, uh, you know, it's a canary in the coal mine when it comes to artificial intelligence. Absolutely. So Solidarity. Well, stick with us. Uh, we will be right back after a quick break here on The Worker's Mic, 720 WGN. You're listening to The Worker's Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everybody, to The Worker's Mic right here on WGN 720. Um, I'm Ed Maher here with Phil Davidson. Um, it was a good discussion the last segment about the uh, the writer's strike and the impact on, uh, you know, the TV shows we love, Phil. Yes. So, uh, you know, we were both sort of lamenting the potential of having to go outside if this carries on for too long. Take me now, Lord. Oh, no. my goodness. But uh, what uh, what are you watching? What's, what show are you hoping is not impacted well, by Well, actually, one of my favorite shows are, already has been impacted, and that is Severance. I've on, heard a lot of good things about oh that show. Oh, my gosh. It's... Uh, 
It's on Apple TV Plus, right? The production crew loves that show. I can tell. Um, yeah, it's 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 definitely a um, a bit of a head twister, sci-fi, which turns some people off, but it's black comedy sci-fi, uh-huh. and it's such a good breakdown of the work-life balance right. and how absurd it can be. And um, I mean, the premise of the show is basically that you have a, you're a different person when you enter. Yeah, you can't remember your work when you go Yeah, to work. and then when you leave work, then you're back to your normal everyday self who exists in your personal life. It's just it's, you're basically a split personality. When you so go to that's work. your show. Huh? It's really really good. I've, I mean, the cast I've you got you got Turturro, Adam, uh, okay. um, Adam Scott, Adam Scott, yeah, okay, John right. Turturro, Adam Scott, Christopher Walken. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, he I'm plays a, big a fan. he plays a great role in it. Patricia Arquette, and then a couple people who are new who I don't know, but it's outstanding. Um, one of the descriptions of a, of it I heard that I thought was best, it's The Office meets Stanley Kubrick. Okay. Um, yeah. And I just read that it's been shut down. They were filming season two, and because the strike, it's off. Right. So. Well, they delayed... Damn you, studios! They delayed the production of Stranger Things, which is always one that I enjoy. I mm-hmm. watch it uh, at home um, you know, with my family. There's always, you know, it's... it's uh, it's just a great show. It's a lot of throwback stuff. They always, always have cool music in the shows, and uh, it's just a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm hoping they get that back going uh, once this thing is done. Yeah. So um, there's a little bit of union news this week. Uh, we'll touch on that and then stick around because at the end of the segment, we're going to get into uh, busting a union myth. Um, but the, uh, the news I wanted to talk about is I read that Bluebird, if you've ever ridden a school bus to school, you know that Bluebird is where it all uh, you know where it where it starts and ends. That's the uh, the manufacturer of all the school buses. So like everyone almost right. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they have the dominant market share. Bluebird. Yes, for sure. I've yeah. never seen a non Bluebird bus. I think I've only <laughs> ridden on Bluebirds, <laughs> yes. and uh, they've exclusive. Got, they're made in Georgia, and they have 1,400 employees. So they have a union election um, that started late this week, where uh, workers could start to vote, and I think it ends over the weekend. So we should be able to have uh, some news next week on where this went, but. 1,400 employees in Georgia. They're being led by, uh, they're trying to join the United Steelworkers, um, and they are, uh, you know, they're working to to get themselves a union. So I'm throwing a shout out to the Bluebird School Bus Employees in Georgia. Give them hell, guys. Go get them. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking also, you know, that if they get in there and these buses are union made, maybe they can figure out a way to make the windows go down. Yeah, all the way. a little more WD forty. Yeah, because you put windows. those things. There was a line, and you know if you put it further down than that, you had a bus driver. You're screaming always pitching at you. your finger trying always. to squeeze. Yeah, I always walked out of there with a new cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was no good, and uh, perhaps they could soften up the suspension a little bit. It used to be a game if you sat in that one single seat in the back of the bus and you went over a bump. Sometimes that kid yeah, could go flying. I know I'd have to wear a helmet back there. Yeah, yeah. it was never me. I was always a little too. Uh, let's say husky to uh to get any air but whatever it was fun to try anyway so you had you know, ballast just a, a polite request bluebird employees for the next generation yes we stand with you yeah absolutely so um as promised we are here to uh to bust a union myth and uh we don't have any fun audio uh features for Mythbusters, and i'm not we gonna play mr d one. again you know, we can always use more Mr. T. I'm going to probably listen to that on the way home today. Uh, I hope some of you will be, too. On repeat, for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the union myth of the week is that union dues are too expensive, right? It's something that you hear when, um, right, when, when workers are talking to each other about organizing and they say, I don't want to pay the dues. Or if workers are all kind of united in it, the company will often come out and say, uh, you know, they just want your dues. This yeah. is going to cost you money. You don't want to do this. So this is a nonsense argument, and I'd like to take this opportunity to get into the numbers of why it is such nonsense. Um, So 
This is going by uh, data that is collected by the Department of Labor every year mm-hmm. on all employees across the country, what they do, where they live, yeah. how much they make, whether they're represented by a union or a member of a union or not. Bureau of Labor Stats collects right. all of this. Exactly. So um, they released numbers for the work year of 2022. And across the country, across all professions, union members made 18.2% more than non-union members. And that's taking into account everything from doctors to grocery store clerks and miners to construction workers to you know, movie writers in every industry as an average, it's 18.2%. Yeah, I think it's higher in the building trades. So in yeah. construction nationally, it's uh, more than 35%. <laughs> so let's just break this down. A little bit of simple math. Let me sharpen up my yep. pencil over yeah, here. Yeah. Let me get my notes out. All right. If dues for a union... 3%. If being a member of a union, let's say, can get you a raise tomorrow of 35%, okay. but your dues cost, what they do on average is usually about 2 to 3%. Mm-hmm. You have to pay 3% to get a 35% raise. I'm asking you listeners, if you had this opportunity tomorrow, would you take it? If you wouldn't, I would say that you should brush up on your math a yeah, little again, bit. Yeah, again, I'm no mathematician. That's that a good like deal. That sounds like a pretty good positive <laughs> output right and that's talking, that's talking three. wages that doesn't get into benefits yeah. uh you know retirement health care all that kind of stuff so yeah. if you hear somebody out there complaining about union dues yeah keep that in mind yeah. you're talking about a two to three percent fee that raises your wages at worst 18 percent. yes and if you're in the building trades more than 35 percent. i've so, never heard of anyone go bankrupt by paying union dues Never no, happened. absolutely not. And no. you, you generally, you pay them when you're working. Yes. It's like taxes. Right. You don't pay them if you're not working. Exactly. So um, that let's call that a union myth busted. Union dues are not too expensive. Union dues are about the best deal, uh, best deal going out there. Busted. Yeah, busted. And I mean, especially when you consider the uh, the study that we featured on last week's show about the um, the way that union membership and a union contract creates you know, generational wealth foundations for mm-hmm. every sector of society. No matter what you do, what uh, demographics you fall into, union membership is a good thing. It right. helps build a foundation for a family where your kids can have a better life than you did. Um, you know, so if it costs 2% to get there and somebody's telling you that 2% is too much, you should uh, think about whether or not you really want to trust that person. Yeah, and that, that those 2 to 3% in union dues pay for the administration that results in the bargaining yeah. that grants you that 35% increase in your wages. Yeah, the people, That's what it's going towards. The people that are getting you, the negotiating these contracts, yes. the people who are uh, you know, business agents or organizers that are enforcing these contracts or helping other people organize, um, you know, that's where union dues go. They don't right. go into, you know, what uh, companies would have you believe is just some, you know, fat cat sitting around smoking cigars. No, it doesn't, go, it doesn't go to a political fund to, right. to support whomever right uh yeah and and that's why as we like to always point the finger at our, our free riders yeah. who receive all these great benefits but don't pay union dues and so okay i mean if if you think that's a good way of going through life of taking advantage of something it, it basically it's it's welfare for them right uh, i mean having other people pay your way exactly I, I can say in the building trades uh we make no uh no lack of clarity about who is not paying their own way yes that usually as well you should sort itself out on the job sites the uh the members take care of that themselves so yes um but uh all right well that's uh you know before we leave what are you uh what are you doing for your mom for mother's day phil we're gonna go to brunch at my sister's uh, nice. in the morning and then um rest of the day we'll be taking care of 
the other most important mom of my life, my wife. Yeah. So it's her day. She's gonna get pampered. Double duty. Double me, duty. Me too. We're doing uh, we're doing brunch later, and then uh, you know just uh, planting some flowers, doing dinner, and probably cooking out at home, and uh, letting her uh, do whatever she wants. That sounds like to a great get away and have a quiet afternoon. So, yep. um, all you moms out there, have a great day today, and uh, all you uh, people who are taking care of moms today. Don't screw this one up. Mm-mm, <laughs> Show mm-mm. them a good time. Pressure's on. So, well, thanks, everybody. Again, it's Ed Maher and Phil Davidson here for uh, The Worker's Mike. We'll be back with you again next week right here on 720 WGN. Happy Mother's Day. The preceding episode of The Worker's Mike was powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. For additional information and podcasts of The Worker's Mike, visit WGNRadio.com.